Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. And I have a clip to show you. What was that? I don't know. I was too busy talking a big nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturers of dairy products. That's not the chosen. That was a test to make sure you're watching. I hope you'll forgive me for using the very irreverent Monty Python, but like Don said, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, few of you out there. Um, but you know, blessed are the cheesemakers. Maybe there were people who misunderstood Jesus because we all misunderstand Jesus sometimes and misinterpret. And, you know, who doesn't like the cheesemakers? I, I hear Thomas, maybe? That's the rumor going around? We'll have to razz him about that. But anyway, we can kind of agree that the cheesemakers are blessed. But when we start talking about what it means to be a peacemaker and the ramifications of that, sometimes we can't agree. And so this is a little bit of a hard one, a challenge, as they kind of all have been. So let us pray. Oh, Lord, you try to teach us what true blessedness is because you are good and you long to pour your grace out upon us. And so help us to learn and listen and find the path to true peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is the chosen. In this episode, this is uh, the second to the last. Tom will be here next week to preach uh, about the season finale in uh, that that Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. But in this episode in particular, you can really feel the tension rising, that, that Jesus is getting himself into trouble more and more just by doing the things that he's called to do, and the disciples are feeling it. And so I've, I've known for a long time, as you have too, the places in Scripture where Jesus tells people not to tell he does a miracle and says, don't tell anyone, and I've never understood that. I've heard all of the explanations for why, but I think it was really in watching The Chosen that, that I could see why they needed to keep some of this secret as God's mission unfolded through Jesus Christ. And so as the tension is rising and people are getting angrier and angrier, the disciples feel it. And so I was trying to pick a clip this week, besides the Monty Python, uh, that kind of summed up that idea of peacemakers, but it was difficult because the stories interweave and the particular scene where they're in the boat has all these other things going on that I'd have to explain if you're a visitor and you're not watching. So I got kind of frustrated picking a clip, so I decided not to and do something else instead. In case you wondered what the boat was. I mean, after all, the people that made The Chosen got to use their imagination. Why can't I? Welcome to Stella's Sock Puppet Theater. <laughs> Trying to see how much I can get away with around here. We'll see when I cross the line. Y'all let me know. All right. So Andrew and Peter are in the boat. And they're talking about the things that are going on. And you can feel the fear in Andrew's voice. Oh my gosh, Jesus healed on the Sabbath and people are mad. We can't make anyone mad ever. What are we going to do? And they're going to throw us in jail and there's going to be a war and we're all going to die. Calm down. That's just fear talking. No, we have to lay low. 
tell Jesus, just heal maybe a couple of days a week, maybe. You know what, I know, tell Jesus to stop hanging out with sinners and stop stirring things up, because he's gonna get crucified. Okay, I mean, what can he really say, right? Get thee behind me, Satan? Thus endeth act one of Stella's sock puppet theater. Thank you. Okay, it worked. I wanted to make it a little ridiculous because um, I wanted to make it clear that sometimes when we think we are peacemakers, we're not. The study guide from The Chosen had this term, and I'd never heard it before, peace fakers. People who avoid conflict, who deny problems, who are people pleasers. I tend to this, and so this hit me hard. I don't like conflict. I want everybody to be happy. I never want anybody to be mad at me. I think I got that from my mother. My mother would get very anxious when we would be fighting, and her favorite line was, look, there's a little bird outside. (laughs) And man, I fell for it every time. Really? There's a bird? Worked. But this isn't the way to go. Here's something else that Jesus said. To the disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Wow. Is that Jesus? And, and how do we make sense that Jesus said that, but Jesus also said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? And I think what, what we have to look at here is that Jesus was trying to go past false peace to bring true peace. And sometimes when your goal is true peace, you have to head right into the conflict, You have to be willing to make enemies. You have to be willing for things to be stirred up and to be okay until things are okay again. And some of us are just not willing to do that. But true peace involves risk, involves sacrifice. It's not just having the right picture on your Facebook profile. It involves taking a risk and speaking out sometimes. And so those of us that tend to avoiding conflict and people-pleasing are challenged by Jesus to speak up. Jesus is trying to bring about something that the Jewish people call shalom. And I know you know that word because you sing it at the send out every week. And so we translate the word shalom as peace. But in the um, Old Testament understanding, it's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God. Shalom can also be translated as wholeness. It's when there is law and order and justice and human flourishing. And so it's not just taking away the bad things, but it's bringing in the presence of God. Shalom. And we need to be brave and fight for it. So I know some of you are liking this sermon so far. You're like, yeah, no more wimpy Christian. She's got puppets. She's got call to arms. Well, there's an act too. So, in case you're liking the sermon so far, I'm going to step on your toes to Simon the Zealot. Hiya! It'd be better if he had arms and legs, but the Zealots were a Jewish sect 
who believed that the way to fight back against Rome was to fight back with military power. They wanted to go to war. They wanted a holy war. And so the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Simon the Zealot, but in this uh, portrayal, we see him as somebody who wants peace, but he wants to bring about peace through force. And so I actually went back to um, season five. We didn't get to see, show this clip before, but this is a great one to illustrate this idea of peace. This is Jesus and Simon the Zealot. I will do anything you ask. I ask you to understand the nature of my mission, Simon. Yes. How? Hmm. How indeed. It's not so easy with distracted humans, hmm? I have trained for years for this. I am ready to execute your mission today. We'll see. Show me your weapon. Impressive. is something. I love that. I love Jesus throwing the weapon into the lake. And of course, this isn't in scripture, like much of this mini-series, but we know that scripture does tell us that when Jesus came, was arrested, that Peter drew his sword or his knife and he cut off a soldier's ear and Jesus healed the soldier and said, this is not the way. And so we could conceive of Jesus doing something like that. Because when you try to bring about peace through violence, you dehumanize. If you're going to fight with somebody, you kind of have to think of them as less than human. And that's not what God wants us to do. The other thing we need to remember is that peacemaking, being a peacemaker, that's one of the, the later Beatitudes it's got to flow from everything else that Jesus said before. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who mourn. That, that peace, being a peacemaker has to be someone who also has those other characteristics that Jesus talked about. And so we have to find our way to true peace. And so this can be confusing because we, we're not supposed to be peacemakers. We're not supposed to be peace breakers. How are we supposed to do it? And, and one of the reasons I wanted to actually bring a boat is to make sure that I could say loud and clear that these two very, very different ways of being are actually in the same boat because they're both fear-based. And they both say, I need to fix this. And I can fix this. I'm going to make peace. No, wait, this one. I'm going to make peace. I'm going to make you all get along. Look how awesome I am. I'm going to stab you in the face. But they're both I. I, I, I. I'm going to fix this. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. And we know that we follow the great I am who directs our paths and tells us the way to go. And the battle belongs to God, not us. Israel was different than everybody else because their king was God. And even the kings bowed down to the king of kings and that's who sets our course. So how do you know how to listen? How do you know what to do? Jesus teaches the disciples in this episode. Rabbi, Philip said the baptizer gave his followers a prayer in addition to the daily traditional prayers. Perhaps you could 
do the same. Yes, I'd like to learn more about what you're saying when you're out alone. Now, now you're behaving like true students. This is what I like to see. And prayer is the first step in getting the mind and the heart right. It's why you see me go to it so often. So teach us to pray like you do. Please. When we pray, we want to be sure to first start with acknowledging our Father in heaven and his greatness. So you can say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we always want to be sure to do God's will and not our own. So we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus shows them that prayer is the way to get our heart and head right to be able to discern what God's will is for us. I think so often we want to just go to the Bible and say, okay, God, just tell me. Tell me what to do. Um, is it peace? Is it pacifism? Is it fighting? Just, just give me the instructions so that I can take them and go. And God doesn't want us to take instructions and go. God wants us with him in relationship, in prayer. I don't know how many of you were part of VBS and you're still singing the songs, the manna in the morning and the quail ring stuck in our head. But we taught the kids that the manna was there every morning and that God's way is for us to every morning take what God has for us. And we want the long-term plan. We want to know where it's going. We want to know all the answers. We want to know exactly that we're doing right. And God says, just be with me and I'll show you. And the thing is, those, those peace fakers and those peace breakers need each other. Because the peace fakers need the, the stronger people that want to fight to make them brave. And those that want to run off and just go in blazing need the others to say, hold on, step back, listen, and wait. We drive each other crazy, but we live in the same boat, and we need each other. So I like boats, I love the water, uh, but every time I'm on a boat that goes deep sea, I throw up. And if I take Dramamine, then I just sleep the whole time. I get seasick and motion sick and car sick, and people always tell me that the best thing to do is to not look at what's going on around here, but to pick a point in the horizon and keep my eyes there, because if I keep my eyes there, I'm less disturbed by what's here. And that is very good advice for the life of faith. Keep your eyes there, and the chaos that is here will be easier to manage. Here's what the Psalms say. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. God is in this battle, and we will win. Here's Isaiah the peaceable kingdom, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a beautiful promise? We've sung of it in many ways, and artists have depicted it. I love this painting of the peaceable kingdom by Edward Hicks. And Tom was looking at my slides, and he said, I have that painting in my living room. And I said, well, of course you do. Because people of peace have that image in their heart. They live in the chaos here, but they're looking there because they say, this is what God will do. And it is unimaginable to us that a lion would eat straw or whatever, but that's just how incomprehensible God is, that God is going to do this. God is going to bring this. And so no matter what happens in our water here, we're looking there and we're saying, we're going to get there. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's our way of being. And the people that have the assurance of that become peaceful people and become peacemakers. Do you know anyone who's the kind of person where they just walk in the room and you just feel like things are going to be okay? That peaceful presence that just when they're there, you just go, okay, you're going to know what to do. And they don't even have to say anything, but just their presence calms things down. People of peace, peacemakers, bringing that shalom, bringing that wholeness by bringing Christ into the situation by being the presence of God in a situation. So what keeps us from that? I mean, why aren't we all that? We forget the vision. We're overworked. We're frenzied. We eat a steady diet of violence on TV and strife on social media, and we have our nose in it all the time, and you can't give peace when you don't have peace. I found this great quote from Thomas Merton that says, we're doing violence to our souls. And so we need to seek peace, surround ourselves with peace, to be in community together as Christians, to hear scripture, to sing songs, and to be at the table. And that's our only hope for true peace. Shalom. Amen.